Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We are continuing our Life Hack series this morning. Kevin phoned me up and he said, Ruth, you can preach on anything, but it has to be a life hack. And I have to tell you that that was harder. That was harder than being given a subject. Because I had to sit and I had to really think about something that I have managed to do well. I wanted it to come from me. Honestly, I'm being really, really honest. If you thought about your life, really, you know, you build strengths and you learn how to break through in areas. But to say that you're actually, you have a habit that you do well, that you've, you've managed to work that thing out. It's not that easy when you have to sit and do a message on it. So I want to read this verse to you. It's Hebrews um, chapter 6, verse 19. And it says, This hope we have is an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, I love this scripture because what the author of Hebrews is saying right here is trust God with everything. Put your anchor in him. Put your anchor in the one who will never, ever fail you. And he talks about this anchor in the scripture, and he's not talking about an anchor that goes deep down into the sea, but he's actually talking about an anchor that comes before God in the throne room of heaven. And uh, one thing that I have had to learn over my life is to put an anchor down deep and trust God in every single situation. Now, this is, this is a personal message for me. Many of you know what I've been through in my life and what we've been through as a couple and things. And you know what we've had to face. And we've had to find God in a completely different way. We've had to find God as our anchor. Um, and while I was preparing last night, I, I was thinking back to um, when I was about, probably about, um, maybe about 15 and I was at home, I was out this one day, it was a Saturday, and there's not much to do where I'm from, but uh, we were, I was just out, I don't know what I was doing. But I was about 15, and I remember walking home towards my house, walking home towards my house, and this little boy of about nine comes running past me. Now, behind the house I lived in, there was a river, and then behind the river, there was a big hill, and then there was a massive mountain. And this little boy comes running past me and he is panicked. His face is white. He is absolutely petrified. And I looked at him as he ran past me and I said, are you all right? He was so panicked. He just, he couldn't even speak. He just kept running. And I thought, my goodness, I wonder what's happened. Went into the house. The whole family's in the house and we're in there probably for about 10, 15 minutes. And then my nephew comes into the house completely panicked crying, screaming in and just total distress. And we all looked at him and we were like, what on earth is wrong? What has happened? And he said, well, he said, we decided to go up the hill with a box of matches. And they went up this hill with a box of matches and they decided they were going to start a fire. But what they thought was, because they had seen on like a survival type program, how to light a small fire 
and then ha- like, put the small fire out. So what they did was they did this thing. They made this little circle of stones and they did all this other stuff and they lit the ground. What happened was, obviously, it was heather. The, the heather was very, very dry. Everything was just like very, very burnable. As soon as they put the match to it, the whole thing went straight up. We looked out the window when, Josh, when Paul said, um, I've, we've, we've set a fire on the hill, and all we could see was this smoke rising up into the sky. And we're all standing there as a family thinking, oh my word, this is not good. At the end of the hill on one side, there was houses. People lived on, on one end of this hill. At the other end of the hill, there was more houses, but there was also petrol pumps. There was a gas station. So in between the two sort of lots of houses was about a mile. And uh, we're standing there thinking, okay, this is not good. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we just flew into panic. We just looked and we thought, what on earth are we going to do? So phoned the fire service and the fire people came. And this whole thing... Like you would think the firemen were there and I would like to tell you they got it out really fast this went on for two days (laughs) and because it was so burnable and it was so hot and the whole thing anyway by night time the whole hill was just red it was absolutely on fire and then we're getting phone calls saying it's nearly at the petrol pumps or it's nearly at the houses and we're just like this is really bad This couldn't probably get any worse than what it has done. And so we're there, and all that we knew was that this had happened once before, and they had managed to get the fire out. So we're praying, and we're just like, God, we need you to do something. But we're in total panic. Anyway, the next day came, fire is still burning, wildlife has been killed. You look at the hill, and the hill that was full of trees and greenery was just black. Everything was burnt. There was nothing. Anyway... They managed to put the fire out. Now, they managed to put the fire out when it was so close to the petrol pumps. Had the heat got any hotter, there would have been a mass explosion. And there was houses there, and it would have been awful. But they got it out just in time. Now, one thing that I realised about that, and I remember as a girl looking at this afterwards, you know how when something happens, you look at it afterwards and think, how did I deal with that? How, you know, what actually, like... How did I deal with that? How did I come across to these people, you know, in that time of trauma or whatever, when something happens? So I'm there and I'm thinking, my goodness, that was horrendous. And what was, like, really, really clear to me was that there were two groups of people on that day that were involved in that fire. There was my family who were in complete panic. We were good for nothing. We were running around like, what are we going to do? And crying and just shouting at Paul and just horrendous shouting at each other. You know one of those days in your house when it's just ridiculous? And then you had the fire service. The fire service who came in and they were calm and they were cool and they knew how to handle the situation and they were trained and they knew they pulled from within themselves in the emergency what they needed to do in order to get that under control two types of people and um, I was uh, we stood there and um, you know obviously afterwards there was this big lecture for Paul and all of his friends and it went to the school and the firemen weren't they weren't too happy but you know it, it taught me about trauma 
And it taught me about how when a trauma happens or a situation happens that's, that requires you in a split moment to be strong, you're going to be one of two things. You're either going to panic like crazy or you're going to pull from the strength within yourself and you're going to deal with that situation and you're going to do it right. When I first came um, to this church, I remembered, actually it was from Lillian, I remembered she introduced to me for the first time the story um, Faith Like Potatoes. I don't know how many of you know it. Yeah, An amazing film. Absolutely love that film. And in that film, I learned about what faith actually is, what trust actually is. That film, for those of you that don't know, I absolutely encourage you to get it. But it's about a man called Angus Buchan. And basically, he, um, he is a very hard man. His language in the movie is pretty awful. He's, 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 a, he's just quite a... He's quite a harsh kind of guy. He's not very pleasing to... You, you, you wouldn't imagine yourself sitting down and having a polite conversation with him. But um, God called them to, to Zambia, or they moved to Zambia. I'm trying to remember it from watching it years ago. And um, basically, he was a farmer. And um, he started to... He went through a horrendous time of just real hardship. All these like terrible things happened. There was death and there was all kinds of things. And... Um, there's this one year that this massive drought is coming and um, he's going, he wants to plant potatoes. There's other potato farmers there and um, this, the, they're told, do not plant. There's a massive drought coming. You're going to make a loss. Do not do it. But Angus Buchan says, no, I'm going to do it and I'm going to trust God. So in this movie, um, he plants the potato seed and he, there's like a massive drought. It's just like there's nothing happening. On the day that it comes to pulling up the harvest to getting the harvest and pulling up the potatoes he's going towards the field and literally you can see nothing there's no greenery if any of you have planted potatoes you know that um like it's just like a sea of green and there was no greenery and he got there and he just uh, people were laughing and he started to plow the ground and when he plowed the ground he had the biggest potatoes he had ever ever had before in a massive drought when everybody said don't do it and he said no i'm going to put my trust in god he put, he put his trust in God and he pulled up the biggest potatoes he ever had. And I learned a lot about faith because that speaks to me about the fact that it doesn't actually matter what you face in life. God can do it. God can still do it. I'm telling you right now, and honestly, I want you to get this because this message, I know, I know that God wants to speak to people this morning. I don't know what you're facing, but I want you to know this morning that God can do it. God can do it. Whatever you are believing for, whatever you are requiring of God, he will do it. Amen. I'm telling you right now, he will do it. Yeah. Honestly, say to yourself right now, he will do it. He will do it. Say it again. 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 Say it again. Say it again. Right. Okay. I want you to get that. And I want you to do that all of the time. All right. Because it takes one moment when you're in a hard season and uh, all it takes is just a moment of not saying that and you begin to doubt. You have to be saying that all of the time. So my, um, my message to you today is called Keep Calm and Trust God. I know it's really cheesy. I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> I couldn't. I honestly couldn't. I'm like, oh. Anyway, I'll just call it that. But um, I, um, I don't know what it is um, about me in particular. But I have seen some really horrendous traumatic things over my life, right? And I'm not going to share them with you this morning because I'm just not. 
But I have always found myself at periods in my life where I've just walked into a situation and a terrible trauma is happening or has happened. And in that moment, I have had to pull from, out with it, from within myself the ability to be a strength. Now, one story that I can tell you about is the time somebody's son... Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying. God, please don't let me mention a name. Um, <laughs> um, we, were, we were having a normal day. And we were having a cup of tea, and everything was very, very normal. And some of you are going to go, ah, I know what she's talking about. But we were having a very normal day, and... Um, we were at a point where, where the kids needed to be picked up from school and I went to pick up the children from school and my friend was at home with her younger children. And somewhere in between me going to pick up the children and getting back to the house, one of the children cut his finger off in half. And I went in to total stress. I went into it was just stressed to the highest degree and I looked and I thought to myself okay and I started asking the questions you ask have you called an ambulance have you done this have you done that where are the other children <laughs> scooped up the child with half, half of a finger <laughs> held him and called Brian and said you need to come this has happened we need to get to the hospital left the parent in a state no actually that parent came with us but um, I'm doing well, I am doing well. But I, I, afterwards, this person said to me, Ruth, I'm so grateful for the strength because I did not know what to do. And I don't know what it was, but something disconnected. Something disconnected. It was like God pulled something, I, th I think it was the emotional attachment out from within me and just replaced it with a strength. Last week or the week before, um, we had another situation, Brian and I, and it was a situation where it was nobody in this church. We had got a phone call, and it was about a couple from another church, and we needed to go and pray with them, and they had just had a terrible trauma. And what had happened was they had lost their baby, and um, we needed to go and pray with them, and we went to pray with them, and when we got to the hospital, the nurse said, listen, the baby's with them. And I'm there, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. But there was something within me that thought, what is this going to be like? But when I went in, there was an immediate disconnection so that we could be a strength for this couple. We walked this couple through their four days of being in the ARI and the trauma that they had faced and what they were going through. And there's something that God requires of us that when a trauma or a situation happens, it might even be within your own family, that, you, that your anchor in God is down so firm and so deep that you could be strong, that you don't fall apart. I'm telling you right now that your anchor at some point will be tested. I'm telling you, it will. And uh, what we have to do is we have to have our anchor down deep so that we can cope with everything. Because this is, uh, this is what I believe. If you can master how you handle every situation and circumstance that you find yourself in, what you are going to achieve in your lifetime is going to be incredible. Mm -hmm. Because if you, don't ma if you don't work out how to master your, em your emotions and your weaknesses and all these things, it causes a delay. Mm -hmm. 
it causes a delay over your life because what happens is you give room to the situation and just giving five minutes of room to a situation can end up causing you months trying to pluck it out of your heart and start believing. I'm telling you, honestly, you're better to be strong immediately and stay strong in that situation than to give room to the emotion and the trauma and spend months in a mess. Here's some facts for you that I found when I was on the internet because I do think in this country I think we have a massive issue especially probably in the workplace with stress. Stress is a huge thing. Depression is a huge thing. Anxiety is a huge thing. These things are huge within like within within the UK. Let me give let me review these facts. The total number of work-related stress, anxiety and depression cases in the UK at the moment stands at 487,000. Last year alone, there were 244,000 new cases of depression, anxiety um, and stress cases. Okay, last year, 131 million working days were lost due to sickness, an equivalent of four per worker. People in society are more likely to turn to alcohol than they are anything else when they face a trauma or a situation that's hard to handle. 59% of UK adults say that their life is more stressful stressful now than it ever has been before. 75% to 95% of all illnesses that affect people today are a direct result of their thought life. Isn't that incredible? 75 to 95% of all illnesses are a direct result of people's thought life. And there's a problem here because people don't have an anchor. People don't have an anchor. In the UK, I mean, you know, when you look at the UK now, we're kind of becoming acceptable of all faiths, aren't we? We're kind of saying, you know what, whatever you serve, whoever you believe in, you know, that's okay here. That's what we're saying. Most, most, like in the UK, it seems to be what echoes. When we went over to Australia, there was a, I remembered seeing this picture, and it was a picture of um, Muslims, I think. I think it was. And they, had, they wanted to do a protest in London, and they had signs that were saying that all Christians should be beheaded. And they were given a police escort. In Australia, they tried to get in, and the Prime Minister said, not a chance. We are a God-fearing country. We, are, we believe in him and you will not come in here with that. We have become acceptable. We have become, we've, we're accepting too much in this country. And there's an anchor that never fails. There's an anchor that will never, ever let you down. And I don't even know, I, you know if, you're, if everybody here is walking with God this morning, but honestly, I let the message be to you today that there is an anchor that is greater than any situation that will see you through absolutely anything it will never fail you you can rely on it you can trust in it i'm telling you right now at some point in life life happens and at some point in life your anchor will be tested dig it down deep and know who god is in your life martin luther king famously said this the ultimate measure of a man is not in where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy I love that. Andy put that on Facebook. Thanks for that, Andy. Andy put that on. And I do love that because the true measure of a man is in those moments. 
you can always you can always see just the 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 measure of a person when tragedy trauma a situation strikes so um, I'm going to ask you to turn with me this morning to second kings while I have a drink of water and you look up your bible <laughs> sorry it's a bit noisy sorry um, second kings chapter 4 um, and I want to take you to the story of the Shunammite woman um, and I love this story you can get so much out of this story with regards to anything that you are facing in life and we're going to read this very quickly today Second Kings chapter 4 verse 8 to 32 and it says now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food so it was as often as he passed by he would turn in there and eat some food and she said to her husband look now I know that this is a holy man of God who passes passes by us regularly please let me let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there for him a table a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us he can turn in there and it happened one day that he came there and he turned in to the upper room and he lay down then he said to Gehazi the servant call this Shunammite woman where he had called her she stood before him and he said to him and he said to him say to her so sorry right let's start that again and he said to him say now to her look you have been concerned for us with all this care what can I do for you do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army she answered I dwell among my own people so he said what then is to be done for her and Gehazi answered and said actually she has no son and her husband is old so he said call her when he had called her she stood in the doorway then he said about this time next year you next year you will embrace a son and she said no my lord man of god do not lie to your maidservant but the woman conceived and bore a son and when the appointed time had come of which elisha told her and the child grew up grew up and it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers and he said to his father my head my head so he said to his servant carry him to his mother when he, had, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. Then she saddled a donkey and she said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and she went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please now run to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she, taught, she caught him by the feet, and Gehazi came near to push her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So, so she said, Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. The mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and he followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child. 
but there was but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not woken. Then Elisha came into the house. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead in the bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up to, the, to lay on the child and put his mouth in his mouth, his eyes in his eyes and his hands in his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and went and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and then the child opened its eyes. And he called Gehazi and he said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her and when she came in, he said to her, pick up your son. So she went in, she fell at his feet and bowed to the ground and then she picked up her son and she went out. Now there's something really amazing about this woman and I love this story because she receives in this situation a miracle twice. God comes through for her on two different occasions, both relating to something she feels like just so dear about something that's very precious to her but she gets her miracle. She gets her miracle two times. And um, there's four things about this woman that I want to share with you today that I believe that she has set in her heart, she has set in her character for receiving a miracle. And I believe that if we set the same principles in our lives, that God can move. I believe that if we have these things set within us, that it doesn't matter what you face, God is going to do it. I totally believe it. Um, And these are things that empower Christians that I'm about to share with you to say it as well in any situation. Now, I'm talking about being strong. I'm talking about whenever a situation comes that you don't fall down on your feet in just an emotional heap, but that you stand and you say, it's okay. It's all right. My God is going to come through. So here's the first thing. The first thing that this woman the Shunammite woman has absolutely set within her heart is preparation. And it says here that the Shunammite woman prepared her home because she knew that a man of God was passing through. So she went to the trouble of preparing. And uh, she, went, she went to the trouble of opening up her house, opening up her house and saying, okay, I'm just going to open up my door to this man. I'm going to prepare because I want, I want God. I want more of God in my life. And I believe that we have to be prepared in a good season and a bad season. We have to be able to stand strong no matter what. We have to be able to say, you know what, it is well. Um, you know, when she was preparing for his arrival, when she was preparing for this man to come, she wasn't thinking about the child she had just set a principle of preparation within her heart. And um, either way, I think that our mindsets must always be that God will come through whatever, but that we're always just ready to carry him. We're just ready. We're never thinking about us. We're never thinking about what we need. We're just ready to carry God. I stand here before you today, and there are some miracles that I would love to see. There are some miracles that I I would do anything for, I desire it with all of my heart. I can't tell you how much I want a miracle. I can't tell you. But it'll never take me away from God. And it'll never pull me out of ministry. And it'll never stop me from speaking. And it'll never stop me from declaring how incredible my God is. Because my God is incredible. And I know that I know that one day God will come through. I know it. 
and I know it for your life as well. My hope is anchored completely in the fact that God is faithful. That's where I am right now. I've walked, you've walked the journey with us. We've walked this journey. My heart absolutely echoes the fact that I believe my God is faithful. Romans chapter 5 says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. The second thing that this woman had set within her heart was appreciation. She appreciated what she had. Right there in her season, her husband was old, she didn't have a child. She wasn't moaning, she appreciated right where she was at. And in her mindset, she thought, you know what, where can I serve? Where can I make room for God to move? Where can I make myself available for God to do what God needs to do? She wasn't thinking about anything else. I, um, I love the fact that, and what I love about Christians, because actually, when we were down at conference last year in Brighton, there was a speaker there called Obed Martinez, and he is coming here um, in April. Oh, yes. And I can't wait, because he is just full of God. He just speaks revelation. But that man, you, when you see people like that, you think, do you know what? You probably haven't had a life like mine. You know, you do. You think, you know, it's all right for them. They're up there, you know, and they seem to have it all together. He actually had, he was in the, the middle of an awful season when he was speaking at, um, when he was speaking at conference. And he, he shared it at the end of the conference. And I looked at him and I thought, my goodness, it's consistency. It's consistency within that man's heart that causes him to be able to, in situations, travel and minister and believe for other people and be there when people need him to be there because he's consistent and God expects of us consistency he expects that when life isn't going exactly as we thought that we can be consistent that we don't run that we don't uh we don't shout we don't fall apart my mum um when she was 14 my mum her mum died and um, it was actually, it's quite a sad story, but I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to make you sad. But um, it was quite sad. And um, when she was 14, and what happened was, um, because there was her and four sisters, three sisters, um, two of them had to leave school at a young age to take over the running of the home. And what happened was, she actually died in her sleep, and they all saw her. So when, for mum, and for us, if that happened right now, that would be traumatic. If you speak to my mum right now and say, what was your childhood like? She will say to you, I had such a good childhood. Because she chooses not to dwell on what happened, but she chooses to keep herself consistent in her walk with God and focus only on what she had, that she appreciated what she had. My mum and dad, when they were growing up, they hardly had anything. My, like, they didn't even have an inside bathroom. You know, their bathroom was down at the bottom of the garden. They had to go out in the middle of the night and everything. I mean, like, really, like, it was rubbish. And, you know, but you ask them back then what childhood was like, and they'll say, oh, it was amazing. It was really good. We didn't have iPhones, and we didn't have iPads, but we just had fun. 
And uh, do you know what? Honestly, I do think they did. I totally do. My mum told me this story one day of this woman in her village where she was growing up. And this, every time they went over, she cooked them sausages. And they hated sausages. And every time she left the room, they tried to find places to hide the sausages. And they were stuffing them down the back of pictures, in plant pots, down the back of the couch. The woman never found them for about 20 years afterwards. <laughs> And mum said that they would go into the house and every time they were trying to find the sausages, it would already be stuffed with sausages. And that's how they knew she wasn't removing anything. They had a great time. They really did. Honestly, honestly, so much better. I don't remember the last time I had to hide food in somebody's house. That was just so cool. But um, they did. I think that they did actually have... uh, they had fun. And, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so Isaiah 26, verse 3. Um, Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in you because he trusts in you. Contentment in every situation takes knowing who you are and knowing who your God is. It takes knowing that all of the time every time if you face something that God is with you. He is your anchor. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. I have this um, quote that I really like, and it says, Contentment is not the desire for all the things you want. It's the realisation of everything that you already have. And I really like that, because actually if you think about your life right now, you are super blessed. You are super blessed. You are. You have, a, you have a roof over your head. You have food. You have, you're here. You are super blessed. You are super blessed. There are countries that aren't even allowed to speak the name of Jesus. There are, there are people, even in this country, that get into trouble for wearing a cross. You are super blessed. Okay, so the, one of the other things that this woman does is she disconnects. The Shunammite lady disconnected from her situation. When she was asked, is everything okay, she said it's well. Her son had just died, the desire of her heart. Somebody said to her, are you okay? And she didn't say, my son's just died. I need help. I need this. She just said, it's well. And on she went. She completely disconnected, even in that, even in the toughest thing. She wasn't going to get wrapped up in trauma. Do you know why? Because she knew that the miracle for her son counted on her heart and her mind and her words being in exactly the place they should be. When they went out, um, I think Elisha said to the servant, don't speak to anybody. Don't speak to anybody on your way there. Do you know why? Because 30 seconds of a conversation in a trauma can ruin the whole thing. 30 seconds of a conversation in a trauma can stop God from moving. You have to be really careful. So she faced everything with strength and she was positive in her response. Wise people disconnect. They don't carry baggage and they don't carry other people's baggage. When Brian and I had that situation uh, last week with that couple who were so lovely, they were so lovely. And um, they, um, they had been, she was saved not that long. And... Um, do you know, when we went in, we came home and we just... Right now, we are believing God for their complete healing from that thing. We didn't come out with their baggage. We didn't come out carrying the burden. We didn't. And when you're with people, 
it's really important that you don't come away with their baggage. You know, a conversation can cause you to carry other people's baggage. Be really, really careful. And the last thing she did, it says that when she went to the room, you know, if you can imagine, if you're in a situation where your child has died, now just imagine that for a second, and you went into a room, my reaction would probably be, is he alive? She went into the room and she just went down at his feet. It says that, that was the first thing she did. She fell down at his feet and she worshipped. Another thing that successful people do to keep calm is that they worship and they keep worshipping priori- their priority. You must worship in everything. We must recognise that it's not about us. It isn't, it's about God. It really, truly is. It really, truly is. It's not about you and what you can get out of it or how you're feeling. It's not even about that. I remember hearing those words just after Josh was diagnosed. I remember um, speaking to my sister Katrina and saying, Katrina, this is awful. And Katrina said to me, do you know what, Ruth? She said, God is not going to be moved by that. God is not. And that was really hard hitting. It was really hard. But I knew it was true. God was going to be moved by faith. God was going to be moved by, by me saying, God, I worship you. I praise you and I trust you. That's where I find myself. That's where I find myself right now. There are days that if you're in a situation like us, you have like a reoccur- like a thing that's just ongoing. Um, there are days where you think, God, I'm feeling weak, but I praise you, I worship you, and I trust you. That has to be your response. So let me finish with this. Psalm 34, verse 1 to 8. It says this, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com.